0: What's up, guys? Welcome to this news podcast. My name is Solmon Elite, at Solmon Elite NBA on Twitter. you joined by Sports Radio 610, Adam Spolan. How you doing, man?
1: I'm good, man. It's been a while. It's been 10 it, days.
0: It has been a while. So let me ask you this. So are you, I, I think I've asked you this before. You're into this Game of Thrones stuff, right? Yeah. So was the finale really that bad? Because all I'm seeing today is the finale sucked, the season sucked, the, the shit awaited for the books to come out. Was it really that bad?
1: I enjoyed it. To be honest with you, I mean, I didn't get wrapped up into the whole, you know, I want this plot line to happen. I think that a lot of people just wanted certain plot lines to happen, and they didn't happen the way that they wanted them to happen, and that's why people don't like it. But I didn't really care about what plot line happened. I, I just enjoyed the way that they made it. I thought the acting was really good, and that stuff meant more to me more than who did what in, in the show.
0: And I appreciate you gave the answer without giving out any spoilers, because God knows the internet hates uh, spoilers for the. This- show um but let's talk about the Rockets let's talk about so I haven't talked to you since the season ended how do you feel about the way things ended out with the Rockets
1: Uh, I think that it's very clear that they aren't as good as the Warriors I mean it's as simple as that uh but they're still really good and I think that as you've seen the conference finals um there's no there's no doubt that the Rockets are head and heels above Portland Denver uh anybody else in the West it's just that the team that they're chasing is really, really good and probably the best team of all time. And it takes a lot to beat them and they just aren't there yet. And you know, it's, it's hard to say whether or not they will ever be there. Uh, but just the fact that they were able to take three games off of them in the Western Conference finals last year and two games off of them in the semifinals this year when Kevin Durant played, I mean, think it, it tells you how good that they are, but they're just not good enough at this point.
0: Yeah, I agree. I talked about this last week, but I think when you get eliminated in the manner that the Rockets got eliminated in, there's a temptation to say, "Let's tear it all down." And I think it's important to acknowledge that the infrastructure that got you there is pretty damn good, and you got closer than any team's gotten against Golden State in the KD era. What about you? Like, what do you think Houston goes from here?
1: I I would hope, and I I tried to ask this to some people during the uh, the post game after Game Six. Because, obviously, they Golden State lost Durant um, for game six. But you look at who they started. And you had Curry and Thompson and Iguodala and Draymond Green and even Bogut. And then you have Livingston coming off the bench. And that group has played together for five, six, seven years. And I think that's important. And I think that they have just that continuity to where they can lose somebody like Kevin Durant. And they have that built in where they know how to win games. And you've seen them, not only did they beat the Rockets in Game 6, but they really dominated Portland for a lot of the Western Conference Finals. So I think if you allow this team to grow a little bit more and these guys get used to playing with each other a little bit longer, I think that helps. Now the question is, is this group good enough to get there? I, I think that remains to be seen. But if you are making major, major changes this offseason, then it takes time for those pieces to gel together And who knows, maybe get off to another slow start. Maybe you're the fourth seed again and get to face the Warriors again in the conference semifinals. So it's really hard to say. Um, For me, I would try and just build onto this roster as much as you can. But if they want to try and, and tear it down and make wholesale changes, then you know, so be it. But I don't think that's the right way to go.
0: Yeah, and even if the Rockets don't improve this summer, and I I think they're going to try to make every effort they can to try and improve. Even if they just stay the same, you just never know what's going to happen, man. An injury, a suspension, the right timing, the right matchup, like you never know. And this is why I was such I was such a big proponent in keeping the Clippers together. It's just like that team was really really freaking good, and I thought that team was good enough to win a championship. It just sometimes timing sometimes luck doesn't break your way and if you just keep it together a little bit keep the continuity going like you never know what's going to happen like the the Dallas Mavericks are a great example of this like things broke their way luck broke their way and they ended up winning a championship out of it and you just never know you just never know what's going to happen in the playoffs
1: exactly and I'll tell you the one difference though between the Rockets this Rockets team and that Clippers team obviously the contracts are a little bit different just in terms of you know some of those Clippers guys became free agents or were heading into free agency but that Clippers team the primary guys didn't like each other and I think the one difference with this Rockets team is that this group really does like each other and there's some great chemistry between Harden and Chris Paul and Tucker and then you throw in Gordon and and Capella the five of them really get along together they play well off of each other so I think that's the one big reason why this team would stay together longer
0: than that Clippers team would. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Jeff Bezdelic here for a second. So obviously we found out a couple of days ago that uh, the Rockets would not renew Jeff Bezdelic's contract. Uh, Jonathan Fagan of the Houston Chronicle was the first to report that. And I wrote about this yesterday. I thought Jeff Bezdelic was important in turning around Houston's defensive culture. But I think people really overreacted last year. When he left at the beginning of training camp and, and didn't return till like late November. Am I crazy because it just feels like Houston's improvement on defense two years ago had more to do with the acquisitions of Chris Paul, Lukeenbaum, Mute and PJ Tucker than it did Jeff Pidelic. but people just really thought that Jeff Pidelic was like the primary force behind all that. and I, I, I think this is significant. I, I think you know anytime you hire you fire your associate head coach, it's a significant move. But I don't think there's like I don't think it's necessarily a, a bad thing to just look elsewhere.
1: No, and I, I think it's good to take a fresh idea from somebody else. I, I think that you give Jeff Bezdelic for setting in the culture of defense here and getting that better. Um, they were an absolute train wreck the year before he got here and then he, he they were I, I don't remember where they ranked um, in the Bicker stuff here. Uh, But he had them in a respectable range. They were 18th his first year here. then obviously they moved up to 7th last year. They dropped back down to 18th this year, but they were second after the break. Um, I I think that he did a good job. Obviously, he's a very good defensive mind, but I think that he was given too much credit, and I think you know, it's it's one thing to put in a scheme, it's one thing to prepare for teams, but at the end of the day, it's the players on the floor that have to make have to actually get stops. Uh, so I think by people just giving Jeff Bezdelic all the credit for the defensive turnaround here, I think it's a little unfair to the guys that were on the on the floor actually playing. Uh, I think that listen, in in the, some of the stuff that has come out since, where Jonathan Fagan brought up the the, the quote where he asked Bezdelic if he thought he was going to be back, and he said he still wasn't sure. And I don't know if the Rockets went to him in, you know, right after the season and said, Hey, do you want to come back next year? And if his answer was, I don't know yet. Well, then they had to move on. I mean, it's as simple as that. I think he really hurt them last season by the way he walked out. I mean, he walked out right before the start of training camp and it really kind of hurt their coaching staff because it was so late in the game. And now all of a sudden they were trying to figure things out from a coaching staff standpoint and they needed to make sure that this guy was all in. Otherwise he had to move on. Um, I'm a little surprised that they didn't have a plan B already in place that they wouldn't just you know make this announcement and then have his replacement ready to go. Uh, but you know it, it's an important decision, and you also wonder if they're thinking about some schematic changes defensively, where they've obviously been very switchy. Maybe they start to to pull back on the amount that they switch this next season. It'll be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, and the point that you brought up about them not being prepared for Jeff Bezelek's exodus, I think I think that's important because. You know, Roy Rogers caught, caught a lot of flack because uh, the Rockets obviously started off the gate uh, pretty, you know, shaky defensively. And then they eventually turned it back around. And right around the time he came, Jeff Pazdelic came back, the Rockets are starting to figure things out. And, like, that's why I think there's kind of, people kind of conflate the two issues. Like, if you look at their defensive rating before and after Pazdelic came back, it's virtually identical. There's not much of a difference there. And. I think it's interesting to see where the Rockets go from here because they, obviously they have a gaping hole at associate head coach and it feels like they want to upgrade. Daryl Morey talked about this yesterday with Jonathan Fagan and he talked about how the Rockets want to you know, maybe look elsewhere. They want to look at different coaches. They want to look at different players. They want to look at different management. They, they want to look at every little, little level of the organization and try to see if they can upgrade. And so the Rockets clearly feel like Bezdelic's an area where they can upgrade. and I, I think... Who they hire here is going to be really interesting. Or even if they if they promote from within, like I, I think Roy Rogers is actually a, an interesting candidate for that job. I think people just dismissively said he's not ready, and I'm just like, man, this guy got handed the bag at the last minute, the very last minute. He didn't get a full training camp. He didn't get enough time to prepare for that position. I think he's qualified for that position. And even if the Rockets don't elect to you know promote him, there are a lot of really really smart coaches still out there on the market.
1: Oh yeah, there's there's no shortage of really qualified coaches. I think it's good to bring someone in from the outside, obviously, just somebody who has watched your team uh, from afar and can give you a little bit of insight. And there's nothing wrong with just talking to those people. Um, I don't know. You look at kind of the the back row of that bench. If any, if you think Matt uh, Brasi is ready to move up to the front row, I don't know if he is yet. Um, I think. In all honesty, I think Brett Gunning has a really good chance to just to get promoted to associate head coach just because he's been there, got a great working relationship with D'Antoni and also with Chris Paul and James Harden. I think that matters more than anything else. I think you just bring in a guy to run your defense. Um, if it's Rodgers, hey, so be it. Uh, I think it's it's really hard to quantify to me the effectiveness the effectiveness of an assist of an assistant coach, though. Uh, so I'm not gonna you know I, I didn't um, I, I didn't lose it when Jeff Ziselic. I uh, was let go on Saturday, and I'm not going to make a big deal necessarily of who they decide to bring in uh, to replace him.
0: Yeah, Brad Gunnings has a really sterling reputation around the NBA. Like People like Brad Gunnings. Uh, he's really uh, someone that the Rockets had uh, kept over from Kevin McHale's regime, and, and that, that was a bit of a surprise to people. But he's there's a reason, man. The guy's really good at what he does. Um One name I would keep a a strong eye on, because the Rockets have targeted this guy many times. They tried to go after him during the Kevin McGill regime, and they they tried to go after him um, when they were looking for a new head coach in 2016. Lionel Hollins, that's a guy I think the Rockets will take a strong look at. I really do think that the Rockets want to bring him in because Daryl Morey really is is a big fan of Lionel Hollins, and it's, it's apparent because they went after him twice. <clears throat> and one name that I didn't, I didn't write about, but I I think the, the Rockets might take a look at, and it, it might go under a little bit of scrutiny because of the situation he's in right now, Kevin Ollie of UConn. Uh, I know he got into tr- some trouble with the NCAA, but that's someone the Rockets were looking at in 2016, and I think that that's, he has a good relationship with James Harden. Uh, he has a good relationship with players, and he, I think he was on the top 10 players uh, Hottest coaching prospects in like 2014. There was a list that came out, and Kevin Ollie was number ten. That guy's a really bright guy. Someone who, who they might look at. Who do you think from the outside candidates would be a good would be a good candidate for this team?
1: You know, I really don't know. It's not. I, I'll be honest. I haven't put a ton of thought into it. Um, I, I just think that you obviously want someone who comes from a strong defensive background, and then you're and, and a strong defensive background. But also understands just kind of the way the game is being played now. Uh, I think that's what you go for more than anything else. I think that's kind of my one question with Lionel Hollins is that he's been out of the league for a little bit and kind of the way that he approached defense, it kind of feels like how teams approached defense back in the mid two back in the, you know, the beginning part of this decade. And the game has changed so much. And kind of the same thing with Ollie; is that he hasn't coached in the NBA in a long time. So you just wonder if that's the direction that you want. If you want to hand your defense over to a guy that maybe hasn't coached in, in the NBA in a long time. So uh, I, I haven't really looked at any names. Um, a lot of people want Tibbs. That doesn't seem like it would work out. Real yeah, long. I don't
0: think Tibbs is going to accept a, a, anything less of a head coaching job at this point.
1: Yeah, so I, it's it's really hard to say. Um I, it wouldn't be surprising if they decide to hire someone who's not a name at all and nobody's really heard of. It. And frankly, that might be the best way to go.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, another news broke uh, yesterday, last night, during the middle of the playoff game. Uh, Mike D'Antoni uh, wanted extension. Uh, we knew this was coming. We actually talked about this last time you were on the podcast. How long does Mike D'Antoni want to continue to coach? And. I th- I think he has enough energy to go at this for like another few few more years here, and that, that's what Mike D'Antoni essentially said in that article. He wants to coach for at least three more years, and it's been, it's been a looming question, like it's been, it's been in the ether. Like the, the Rockets obviously had ha- had him left for one more year on the contract, and nobody really wants to ask it. But I mean, he's sixty eight. He doesn't have that elusive championship right now, but I think he know even he knows he's a lock for the Hall of Fame. He says he wants to coach three more years. How do you think the Rockets should approach this?
1: It's a really hard question. It's a really, really hard question that they have to answer. And uh, obviously, he wants to coach the question. He he wants the extension. But now the question is, do the Rockets want to give him an extension? And I think that if you go through um, what Tillman Fertitta, his sit-down with with, uh, Jonathan Fagan uh, that they published on Friday, the D'Antoni stuff was really interesting. And it doesn't sound like... Tillman is all that pumped to give D'Antoni an extension, to be honest with you. And I'm trying to find, because he even brings up the fact that he doesn't care about the lame duck. So here's the quote that Tillman says to Fagan: Mike will be the coach next year. He's not a lame duck to me. That's just a media term. That's just a media buzzword. So, you know, it doesn't sound like Tillman necessarily cares if Mike goes into the last year of his contract. Here's more of the quote continued. Mike is going to be 69 years old next May. And Mike doesn't know totally what he wants to do yet We'll sit down with Mike in the next few weeks and talk with him We're more concerned with making our team better next year Mike will be here, I like Mike, I think he's a very good coach Players like playing for him I keep being told free agents want to know who the owner is And they want to know who the coach is Mike and I do well together, hopefully we'll continue to win And Mike will be here for a long time So obviously he talks about how much he likes Mike But at the same time he doesn't say Yeah, we want to give him an extension right now And make sure that he's the coach here for a while
0: What do you think the Rockets should do with him? Do you think the Rockets should just extend him?
1: I would maybe give him a year. I think I'd extend him one year um, just so that he has that where, hey, you're not a lame duck, and then just go from there. Uh, And also you want to see maybe he wants to coach further. You know, it's one thing to say in May of 2019, I want to coach for three more years. But if it's May of 2020, he might not have that same feeling. He might not have that same sort of energy. I remember he had that virus that put him in the hospital for a week towards the end of the regular season. So – I think a lot of it, it's hard to say. Obviously, I think he'll be the coach next year. Uh, but, you know, then the bigger question becomes, well, what if Tillman refuses to give him an extension? Then does he start to have second thoughts about this? So uh, the D'Antoni question is one that's kind of looming over this team and what they decide to do go, moving forward. But it doesn't sound like to me that Tillman is in any hurry to give him an extension.
0: Yeah, it, do- it doesn't. Um, and it's kind of... I
1: to say real quick, sorry, sorry just to interrupt, no, but I thought it was interesting that... that D'Antoni went to Woj and went on the record about this sort of stuff because that's not something that you normally see from him or really really anybody so I thought that was interesting that you know Mike went to the media and said hey I want to coach three more years I want to get an extension done
0: right yeah and, and I, I understand that feeling it's really uncomfortable to be on the last year of your contract and not really know where what the organization' is going to do with you next year and uh, I I can sympathize with that but He says he wants to coach three more years and I think the move here really is to tack on two more years to that contract so his contract aligns with Chris Paul because I think think this is what the Rockets are going to do organizationally over the next three years. Uh, I think they're going to align all their contracts to expire the same year that that Chris Paul contract expires. And I, th- I think you should give him a raise for next season. And I think that's that's how they're going to approach extension negotiations with Eric Gordon because it, it seems pretty clear that this era of Rockets basketball is, is going to be closely aligned with that Chris Paul contract. Once that contract expires the rockets will have flexibility to get out of the tax and pivot in a new direction that that could include a coaching change it it could include a, re- a rebuild i don't know but it seems like things are lining up in for 2021 to be something different for the rockets do you agree
1: maybe I, but you know what if they are kind of stuck in the mud the same way this year that they that they what if, what if they're stuck in the mud next year the way that they were this year and they they go out of the playoffs at the same time you know, at that point, Tillman might be saying, I want to make a coaching change at this point because I don't think that Mike can take us over the hump, and he might try to find someone from the outside uh, to finish off this Chris Paul era. So I, I don't necessarily think that. I, I think it's probably good business to align the players' contracts. I don't know about the coach, though, and I think that he wants to give himself an out in case this doesn't work out with Mike. So I, I don't think that he would extend him two years, but I think one year probably makes more sense with that.
0: No, I get it, because oftentimes when you're approaching a very, very... Like, we saw this with Toronto with Nick Nurse, right? They had one year with Kawhi, and they felt that they needed to make a coaching change, and they went ahead and, and hired Nick Nurse, right? Like, sometimes the only thing you can do to upgrade is sometimes try and find a fresh voice. Uh, I, now, I, I, I don't think the Rockets should necessarily go out, go out and chase a fresh voice. I think Mike D'Antoni should be the guy to see this through, Um what about you? Do you do you think the Rockets have kind of hit an impasse with Mike D'Antoni as a head coach, or do you think this this is the guy to carry them on the way through?
1: No, I think he's fine. I don't think I don't. When I look at the things that you know that they need to fix, the head coach isn't one of them. Um, he's got a, a great relationship with his two best players, and I think that matters more than anything. Uh, they obviously have had a lot of success in his three years. They won sixty five games last year, and you know they had. A double-digit lead at halftime of Game Six and Seven of the Western Conference Finals that could have put them in the finals. Um, So he's had them in position. Um, Little things here and there have hurt them more than anything else. And if you're going to, I I just don't think that there's anybody better than Mike D'Antoni out there at this point. Uh, Now that's what I think. Maybe there is, and we just don't know it. Uh, But at this point, I just don't know who you would say. Yeah, he's an upgrade over Mike D'Antoni right now.
0: No, I agree. Like, if you just go go look out in the open market, I mean. You're not gonna find some a name that sticks out to you like significantly at this point. And I, I think if you if if you're at that point, you might as well just continue on with the coach that you have. And he has, and I think the most important thing that gets neglected in all this is he has a strong strong relationship with the players in that locker room. Like he, the players in that locker room respect him. They want to play for him. They and and I think that's important. Like sometimes that stuff gets overlooked. Sometimes we get too cold about this stuff. And and that relationship matters. Like I don't think. I don't think James Harden had the same relationship with Kevin McHale. Like, I really don't. Well,
1: no, that's clear he didn't have that. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, but if they, I mean, and so you bring up a good point. Well, what if they decide to move on from Mike? How does James Harden react to that? And I think that now all of a sudden you have an unhappy superstar because you decided to fire the coach, and that just doesn't seem like it's it's a plan for success at that point.
0: Right. Uh, that's Adam Spolane. Where can we follow you on Twitter, man?
1: Uh at Adam Spolane.
0: All right, thanks, Adam. Yeah, sure thing. So that was Adam Spolane of Sports Hero 610. Always good to hear from him. You can follow the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. If you enjoyed the show, give us five stars on iTunes. It really helps people find the show. You can find me on Twitter, at SalmolyNBA. And yeah, guys, good night.